Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where we can look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt, and this is episode number 515. This week, we have a cruise review from an Alaska cruise on board Ovation of the Seas. First-timers trying out Alaska, and we're sharing what their thoughts were. Here we go. Believe it or not, September is still a time of year in which you can go on a Royal Caribbean cruise to Alaska. The late part of the season is still a great time to go. In fact, it's one of the cheaper times of the year to go to Alaska. And today, we have a pair of gentlemen that got a chance to check out Alaska for themselves, uh, visiting Ovation of the Seas. Dominic and Casey, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Very welcome. Thanks for uh, joining here. You know, from time to time, I like to share some cruise reviews. So... What drew you to Ovation of the Seas for Alaska um, for this particular cruise? For me, I had never been out west. So Alaska has been one of the areas that I always wanted to go to. And for me, it was a chance of a lifetime. What about you? I just wanted to be on a bigger ship. (laughs) (laughs) Had you been to Alaska before? Is that what that comment is referring to? No, I've I've never been to Alaska before, but um, he wanted to go to Alaska, and Ovation was on the route. And I was like, you know what? Let's go with the new one. There you go. Fantastic. Well, you know, uh, and for those listeners who are unaware, Royal Caribbean offers uh, a variety of cruises to Alaska. This year, they had four ships going, but the bigger ships, Ovation and Quantum, were based in Seattle, and um, there are pros and cons to big ships versus small ships in Alaska, or in cruising in general, I should say, but... Certainly, I don't think you made any kind of mistakes going on Ovation. And and quite frankly, if you were to ask me, I want to go to Alaska for the first time, what should I pick? I would probably recommend what you did, Ovation out of Seattle. It's just, it's easy, it's convenient, and it's very accessible for what you're trying to do in terms of going to Alaska. Uh, Dominic, why did you, what, what drew you to Alaska, though? Why, why Alaska? Why not do a Caribbean cruise, or cruise in Europe, for that matter? Well, it's more of a, it is, it's been on my bucket list for a while. But it was one of those like, um, actually, I had a friend a couple months before we actually booked the cruise, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Hmm. But I've always liked colder climates. So. Uh, you, you, and you and I are on the same page. <laughs> I mean, not not sweating is always a a nice uh, uh, benefit, if you will, to, to picking a a northern cruise. Casey, what about you? Why? What, what was there a certain aspect of Alaska? In Alaska, you can do a lot, right? There's scenery, there's wildlife, there's this local cows. I mean, what specifically, I guess, was probably, if you had a list, all the, the things that really drew you to try Alaska cruise, what do you think would be number one on your list? The scenery for one. Oh, yeah. I'm originally from a small town in Kentucky mm-hmm. where it kind of reminded me of home, mm-hmm. of the mountains and a lot of the colder climates. So, yeah, just brought more water, little <laughs> Yes, to say the least. <laughs> um, so, where are you guys based, and how did you get to Seattle? Tell us about any, any, I mean, about your experience getting to the cruise port, essentially, and flights and whatnot. Uh, we're based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. Um, we actually had to drive about two, two and a half hours over to Nashville uh, to catch the flight out of uh, BNA, the National International Airport. Yep. And we actually did the Royal Caribbean Air to Sea program. Oh, how was that? It, was, it wasn't it was bad. 
if you're doing the affirm point, like affirm the uh, the affirm payment plan, plan. yes, uh, you can actually wrap the airfare into that payment plan. Never that you dare to see. Cool. So for those who are unaware, again, air to sea is the way you can book airfare uh, with for your cruise through Royal Caribbean, as opposed to you know going to the airline website. And Affirm is a way you can make monthly payments. So this allows you guys to uh, budget, if you will, your cruise fare and your airfare. Because if you had booked your flights on you know whatever Delta or what have you, then you would have been on the hook to pay for those flights up front. And a nice benefit of booking your flights through Air to Sea is that it's essentially like bundled with your cruise fare. It's the you don't make payment until the final payment date, and it allows you to, again, have a little more flexibility for spreading everything out and, and being a little less, um, being more budget-friendly. So that's that's great, and that, that certainly worked out. Uh, did you price out booking on your own, or was the Affirm combination really the drawing factor for you? The Affirm was actually an afterthought. We were kind of... Uh... We are looking at it, like, I was like, wait, what is this? And I started looking at it and like, hold up, this will make this a whole lot more easier. And then that's kind of when I made the call of, he, we're going to do the affirm option. This way, uh, we're not just going to pay the almost $3,000 Yep, all at once. Makes sense. All right, cool. So what did you think of Ovation of the Seas? Dominic, you said you wanted a big ship. I think that was you who said that. So... How did, did it did it measure up? Um, yeah, no, it was definitely a it was definitely a very big ship. Uh, there were several times where I kind of felt like, um, actually, I want to say I said it to Casey at least once. Of does this thing ever end? <laughs> because we went from the two seventy to the Royal Theater yep. back to the two seventy, and we're walking through the via, and I'm like, good lord. Yeah, it just doesn't end. Yeah, it's a when you go on the bigger ships, quad class, the wasted class, and I'm assuming icon class too. When you when you just want to like forget like when you go from point A to point B, whether going back to your cabin to get something or it, it almost becomes like a trek. It's like oh, I got to go all the way back over there. Okay, that's gonna be like you kind of envision it in your head, and definitely that is one of the I guess the nuances, if you will, of an, of a big ship is that the the commute time can be a little uh, long depending on where you're trying to go there and what kind of ships had you guys, I forgot to ask like what's your experience had you done Oasis class or had you guys mostly done smaller ships than, than Ovation um the one we did last year in 2022 was Mariner he was the Mariner um and then before we met I was on it was 2018 or 2019 uh for my first cruise was actually on Independence Okay, so definitely a, a step up, and and um, you know, I guess hearing that now, your your description of ovation, Dominic, I think it makes a whole lot more sense. So for this cruise, you well, first of all, what kind of cabin did you guys get? We got a balcony stateroom with okay. one of the urchin views. You know, with the un unobs unobstructed view. <laughs> Would you, in retrospect, would you have picked that room again? Yes, I would. I would have picked the same the same style of room. I would have probably have tried to find one closer to a stairwell. Yeah, because we were the room right before the loft suites. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. That's a. I 
we often talk about, you know, where's the best room location. It's all relative. And the nice thing about, listen, being back at the back of the ship, you get some interesting views back there. So there's an advantage there, but I prefer the convenience factor myself as well. I, I just find it a little bit around there that way. So that makes total sense. And for this cruise, you did a, you're doing a, what I'm going to guess, Juno, Skagway, obviously glacier viewing. We'll get to that in a second, whether or not that happened. And Ketchikan? Uh, Sitka. Sitka. Ah, bit free. So let's get Victoria as well. Oh, Victoria, right. I forget about you. Yeah, I keep forgetting you have to make that stop in Victoria. So let's talk about each of these ports. Let's start with Juno. What did you guys do there? We went to one of the area shops. And I actually in the telling that that um winning on us is from my hometown. Oh, so really? it was kind of coincidental you're 3,000 miles away, and you <laughs> see somebody from your home state right. in Alaska. Who <laughs> the thought? That's why. Did you guys do an excursion in Juneau, or did you just walk around? Uh, we didn't do an excursion in Juneau. Um, yeah, the excursions in Juneau actually book, booked out so quickly uh, <laughs> from when we booked this one. But we got off. We got off the ship. Um, Walked around, walked around, looked at the uh, the seaplanes that were taken off right next to the the ship. Yep. Uh, and the story he was talking about, it's the it was like the basically like the plus size, like four, five, six XL t shirt shop, uh, t shirt Alaska, I think, t shirt company of Alaska, yeah, something like that. Um. Because every time we go on a trip, I can never find my size and I wear 5X. So as soon as I saw they had that size in the window, I'm like, we're stopping there because I'm going to get a t-shirt and I think this is probably going to be my only chance. And you just happened to run into somebody from Casey's hometown. Yeah, that was the the cashier that was helping us at the store. That was from the hometown. That's funny. Cool. Um. Well, next time you guys go to Juneau, I would highly recommend, even if you don't have an excursion, you don't need one, I would just get to Mendenhall Glacier Park. It's really cool to see. It's very easy. Uh, you don't have to be like a major hiker. I am not one myself. It's just, uh, but it's beautiful to go there. So next time, uh, Skagway, what'd you guys do in Skagway? That was streetcar. Oh yeah. We did the, um, the streetcar tour. Okay. So what was that like? I'm not even familiar with that one. Uh, it was really interesting. Uh, they basically what it is is yeah, it's a converted coal truck okay. that's now a bus that they did. now the company started like right after World War II, and they did like a whole tour and for the president when he went up to Alaska back then, and it stuck around. So it's kind of a it's a historical thing. They give you a history of it being a gold rush town. Um, they take you up to one of the overlooks so you can see all of Skagway, the mountains. Um, it's really pretty where they take you up there. Um, it is very pretty. Very beautiful. Then they'll oh, yeah. take you, they take you over to uh, one, one of the summit, the old, old gold rush cemeteries. Um, where they tell you some of like the folklore of uh, where one of the one of the natives where he was 
he was a criminal, but at the same time, like he made, he was like, what was it? He shot somebody and they said what years later that he committed a crime. Yeah, this is like a kind of story of like Skagway being uh, the Wild West that no one knew about. Yeah, okay. Neat. Well, that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, so, you know, a little, little history there. And uh, by the way, we've gone through now Juno and Skagway. We'll get to uh, Sitka and in, in Victoria in a second. What was the weather like for this cruise? I thought it would be a lot colder than it was. But to be honest, it was around 55 to 60. So for me, it felt comfortable. Great. How what was Oh, God. I'm sorry, Dominic. Go ahead. No, you're good. I think we bumped into the, the 70s at one point or something. But Skagway was probably the coldest day because I was... And I'm... I like it cold. No. I'm one of the crazy people that wears t-shirt and shorts when it's snowing here. <laughs> um, But I still was like, I'm kind of cold, so I put on sweatpants and a sweatshirt for Skagway. But... Was that where... Was rain a factor for you at all? No, no, really. Yeah, it really didn't rain all that much. Like we had like the the fine mist every now and then. Sure. But it was never enough to be like, oh gosh, it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So let's move over to Sitka now. And what did you guys do in Sitka? We actually didn't get off the ship. Yeah, okay. Sitka, we didn't get off the ship. We just kind of uh enjoyed being on uh, ovation that day. Uh, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I want to say we were... Because Sitka, it was bright and sunny. Uh, it was actually... Like, Terrific beams. Even oh, yeah. where the, the ship was parked. Um, but we just kind of chilled at the pool. I remember when I was, we were at Sitka, we, we got back on the ship, and the views that you mentioned, Casey, I think, are... You're reminding me, there's... Um, where the ship is docked, try to paint this picture for everybody... There's a lot of well, first of all, everywhere in Alaska is mountainous, but there's a lot of trees nearby the the yeah. port area, and there were like the amount of bald eagles that I saw on that day. I mean, they were like it, it was like mosquitoes; they were everywhere, oh, yeah. and they were circling. It was great for viewing. Yeah, we were actually in um, the windjammer, and we had one. Uh, we had a bald eagle fly right next to the windows, right past where we were eating. Nice, and I just was like. I was eating. It flew by. I looked over and said, I'm pretty sure that was a bald eagle. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we have Victoria. Did you, was this a short visit? It seems like real quick. When I went to Alaska last time to Victoria, we had like a full day, but it seems like they've condensed the time. Was it like a shorter day for you guys or was it more like a full stop? No, there was a full stop. We got the, we got there at uh, one thing. Whoever warns. Oh, I blood got to her. And you get in Victoria? Yeah. What did you guys end up doing in Victoria? Okay. The we didn't leave there to about 10. Oh, it was straight in him. So, there are your four days. What was your, uh, what did you guys end up doing in Victoria? Did you get off the ship? Did you explore a little bit? That day we couldn't get off the ship because, um, as, I'm diabetic, and one of the medications I take can cause me to get very nauseous. Mm. Uh, and 
it kind of locked us down that day, and I don't even think we got out of the state room until six p.m. Yeah, we we were pretty locked down that day. Okay, well, you know these things happen, but I hope I, I'm seeing that we're talking here. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't too too bad of an inconvenience for you guys. Um, yeah. and, and did you? How about your glacier date? Was the ship able to get in? Um, no, it's like. I didn't, we didn't see any glaciers. We did the inside passage. Right. But it was really, um, it was really cloudy, fairly foggy. Mm. Um, like there was one point I want to say we went, we went pretty much through a patch of fog and I was kind of like, oh, well, this is, this is not, um, comfortable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little it's a little strange when that happens. Um, in terms of the cruise though, so you've done your Alaska cruise now. Do you want to go back? Yes, in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, we're already planning on another one. Nice. So have you picked one out, or you're just like saying, "Hey, Casey, we should do another cruise to Alaska." It's just we're hey, we're we're definitely gonna have to come back up. Nice. And this time we're gonna bring my father. Oh, great! He's been to Alaska. That's. I mean, it's just. It's so pretty, you know that now, and it, and I, I I always try to explain to people. Everybody tells you it's beautiful, and if you've never been, it kind of gets lost. Like, okay, whatever, I get it. It's beautiful, but when you see it and the 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 majesty of it all and the spectacle, it's it's just really impressive. So I'm so glad to hear you guys had a had a had a great cruise, and uh, you got a chance to experience it yourselves. And most importantly, you're going back again for seconds. Yeah, and we're definitely going back on a Royal Caribbean cruise next year. To Puerto Rico, Nassau, Bahamas, and St. Thomas. Love it. That's fantastic. Well, guys, thank you for joining me here on this episode and sharing with us a little bit about your Ovation of the Seas cruise to Alaska. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Alrighty, time for a listener email. And I'm going to answer as many emails as I possibly can that you've sent in the next couple of minutes here on this episode. And of course, you can always email me your questions by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoverMainBlog.com. First email is from Marcy from Georgia. Hi, Matt. Always love us in your podcast. I learn something new every time. I have two questions. You're very much in favor of taking Lyft or Uber to the cruise terminal. My question is, how about leaving the ship? We took a cruise last February on Freedom of the Seas, and there were so many people trying to get a Lyft or Uber when they got off the ship. Is this still the best option? We'll be cruising on Wonder of the Seas in January, with has a whole lot more people to disembark. My next question is, if you keep your luggage in your room instead of putting it out the night before, is there a certain time you must leave it by, or can you leave your luggage in your room, go have breakfast, come back to your cabin, and get your luggage and leave? Questions, Marcy. So, Lyft or Uber? Obviously, depending on the port and sailing, there may be more demand for it than not. Also, depends on what time you get off the ship. Certainly, Marcy, in my experience, if you get off the ship earlier, there's less of a line. If you can manage to get off the ship before 15 or so, 8.30 for sure, you get, a, you know, the 7.30, so 8 o'clock, I think you'll be okay. I mean, I've done this many, many times. You know, Lyft or Uber, you know, there's always that risk that, you know, you may have to wait a little bit for your car there, but um, I've had pretty good luck with it. It's worked out for me, and I just generally prefer it. Again, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I like going on my own schedule without waiting in a bus or shuttle, whatever, waiting for the bus or shuttle to fill up and moving on their schedule, right? Number two, I like the fact that it's actually not that expensive. And depending on what the cost is of these other shuttle services, 
I think it works out better. I just generally find it more convenient. So that's why I go in that direction. Ask your luggage question. You can certainly leave your luggage in the room. Keeping in mind, by the way, they want you out of your cabin by 8 a.m. Now, is that a hard and fast rule? No, I've definitely heard them being a little more lenient there, but let's put it this way. If you want to go to the Windjammer at 7 a.m., grab breakfast, but leave all your stuff back in your room, that's totally cool. But you really should be out of the room by 8 o'clock. And if you were to go later, where you're planning on taking the your sweet time getting off the ship because you're in no rush, then I would definitely bring your luggage with you so that way they can turn the room over and get it ready for the next person. So, hope that answers your question there. Next email is from Richard Hall. Hi, Matt. Just to your podcast regarding your weekend cruise on Independence of the Seas and would like to take this opportunity to support your comment about a weekend cruise augmenting a larger holiday plan. We're from South Africa and did the same cruise in September last year. So, we cruised first, then went to Disney for a week. Hurricane Ian was a bit of a problem we don't experience events like that in South Africa, and ended up with a trip to five days in New York. We're a big fan of Royal Caribbean, our third cruise of them, and your highly informative website view of the good work. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. And I'm glad to hear that you agree. With the three and four night cruises, you know, it can be very tempting to book that as your vacation, but I really think it should be a augmentation, as again, Richard alluded to here. That is really the way to go about it. Um, I thought there's nothing wrong with, hey, I just want to get out of town and I'm willing to fly. Maybe you have some credit card points to burn and, you know, you want to make a weekend of it and go down for a cruise. That's totally cool. I just think that if you're if you're going to fly for your cruise and you want to spend the money that you're going to for airfare and hell and all this other stuff, you can make an argument, I think, that it's better spent on a longer sailing. Whereas, you know, three, four night cruises can be good to, again, you know, work it in here when you've got availability rather than your primary we're going to plan our family vacation, if that makes sense. I'm not sure I did a good job of explaining that, but I think Richard did a better job. Next, we have an email from Stacy Rop Miller. Hello, Matt. Thanks for all the great content you provide. I look forward to listening to your podcast each week. I utilize your blog for cruise research, and we love the YouTube video. It's evident that you and your team put a lot of effort into your work, and it doesn't go unnoticed, and how great you get to cruise for work. We're traveling for our family on Wonder of the Seas in December to celebrate my parents' 50th anniversary. There are 11 of us. When pre-booking specialty dining reservations, eight is the max of people you can reserve. My thought was we go ahead and reserve for eight, and then once on the ship, we head to the restaurant and explain we'd like to add three more to the reservation. Is my thinking right on this, or should we make one for us and make a reservation for six, and another person in our family make one for five, and then go to the restaurant once on the ship and tell them we want to have two parties together? Izumi Abachi was especially one we wanted to try, and knowing the table size is limited there, we figured going the route of reserving eight up front was the way to go. But appreciate your thoughts on the best way to go about the reservations for our group of 11 for both Izumi Hibachi as well as other specialty restaurants in general. Stacy, great question. I would say in reading your question, I think you're you're better off making full reservations. So doing the eight and five or eight, however it was, six and five, I would definitely go about it that way. But at least you have like spots reserved. It seems like Royal, when they manage this, it's better if you have a reservation in the system that you're trying to add on because then they can't say, well, all our tables are full kind of thing. And at least you have a backup option. Like, worst case scenario, if you do the six and five option, at least they can put you on a table next to each other and, hey, maybe that kind of, you know, will, will be, would be the, 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 the backup option. And that's what I would definitely do if I were you. So, yeah, I say do the six and five and then do exactly what you're talking about. Get on board the ship go into the restaurant on embarkation day, explain the situation, and they may be able to work with you on there. They're usually pretty flexible. Obviously, assuming they can't do anything about it because those tables aren't 
don't really move at all. But for other restaurants, there may be more flexibility there, Stacey. So I think you're on the right track. Our next email comes to us from Rebecca. Hi, Matt. I listen to your podcast from Australia. I've booked two cruises on Ovation of the Seas for our upcoming holiday summer season, and dining packages are not being offered yet because here we're three to nine months out, and apparently this is true for all cruises here on Brilliance, Quantum, and Ovation. Royal Caribbean hasn't been able to shed any light. Is there any change in policy? We love the unlimited dining package. So hope they come back. Rebecca, thanks for the email. So I think in general, there isn't much I can tell you other than keep an eye out for it. You know, we're talking about summer cruises, so you're, and forgive me, your summer is our winter, so I'm not sure on the map on this, but it's not, a, it's not unheard of for them to take a little while to show up in the cruise planner. So I can't say I'm surprised you're not seeing them. Granted, I'm not exactly sure you didn't put dates in here, but you said the cruises are three to nine months out. The nine-month cruise, I can understand that. The three-month cruise can be a little more interesting as to why it's not showing there. And there can be a variety of reasons. Number one, the Australia cruise market is sometimes different than the U.S. or, or European markets. Hey, that's not an answer you probably want to hear, but sometimes that is the case. Uh, option two, it could be sold out, but usually when it's sold out, you see it there, but then it says it's sold out. Like, they don't hide the option completely. It's just keep an eye out. Worst case, you know, ask for it when you're on board the ship. Um, and in some cases, they don't offer it. That's on demand, quite frankly. But yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you, Rebecca, other than just keep an eye out for it. But there's no like inside track or anything else I can really tell you to give you uh, another place to look or anything like that uh, beyond what you've already done. Thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the podcast. Of course, you can always email me your questions by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.